Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Managing money can be challenging, especially when there are so many money myths and misconceptions floating around. And these myths and misconceptions can cause you to make poor financial decisions like overspending, getting into debt, or even avoid seeking help when you really need it. So are there any money misconceptions you've had to adjust your mindset around? Things that you you were told were true, but you realize actually aren't? Today, we're going to go over 21 money myths or lies about money, misconceptions about money, and how you can avoid them or think differently about them. Let's get into it. Number one, money is the root of all evil. And this has to be the top myth. So money in itself is simply a tool, right? You tell it what to do and it does it. It's like a knife. You can use your knife to cut up your vegetables for a nice lunch or dinner, or you can take your knife and cut your hand and cause yourself an injury. So that's how money is. It's simply a tool that can be leveraged. And a lot of times when people say money is the root of evil, it's really tied to how the individual, the personality of the individual, the intentions of the individual, how that person is using money. So money in itself is not evil. So change your mindset about demonizing money and instead think about how can I leverage this tool to my benefit and to achieve the things that truly matter to me in my life. Money is neither evil or good. It is simply a tool. Myth number two, you cannot negotiate your bills. So I always say that there's nothing that you can't negotiate and the worst thing that you will get told is no. So if you don't ask, you're not gonna know. If you are struggling to pay a bill, you're behind with a bill, you think a bill is too expensive, pick up the phone, call and ask. They may say yes, they may say no, they may they may meet you in the middle, but it is worth asking the questions. There is no such thing as you cannot negotiate your bills unless you've actually tried and been told no. Number three, building generational wealth is for the rich. Again, this is another money myth, money lie that is not true. So building generational wealth is essentially passing money down from one generation to the other. And anyone can do this by making smart money decisions, investing, and creating a fund, a nest egg for your future self that you can transition to your generations. However, it's not just about transferring money or assets. Transferring generational knowledge 
right? Lessons about financial responsibility, lessons about investing. Even if you don't give your children a dime, those lessons that you teach them, that those teachings that you give them around money is a way of transitioning generational wealth because you're transitioning knowledge that they can leverage to make smart decisions for themselves. And in today's day and age, it is very possible for us to start building generational wealth with intention, right? It's all about investing small amounts of money as you can to build up that nest egg for yourself that you can pass down to your children. It can be as simple as buying that home and taking the, the 30 years to pay off your mortgage and passing down that home as an asset to your to your children, for example, or even to, to communities or to charities of your choice. Generational wealth is not one defined way, right? It's not one, there's no one single way to transition it. You choose what aspects you want to transition, whether it's assets, whether it's knowledge, but then you just have to be intentional about it. So it's not just for the wealthy. Number four, money lie. Personal finance is confusing and complicated. It can be confusing and complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And a lot of times it is confusing and complicated by design. And so it's really up to us to take the time out to understand the basics of financial literacy. And once you learn them and you're able to implement them consistently over time, personal finance becomes easy to understand and not complicated the difficult part is taking action. So pick up a personal finance book, right? We have three great books at Clever World Finance and my latest book called Choosing to Prosper. Take one of our free courses at Clever World Finance. We talk about everything from adjusting your money mindset to paying off debt to learning how to invest. The way you make personal finance less less complicated for yourself is by learning. Knowledge is power. And so don't resolve yourself to the idea, to the myth that personal finance is complicated and it's difficult. It doesn't have to be. Number five, money lie. You should always buy the cheapest option. And I'm sure if you're watching this, you know that this is not true because sometimes the cheapest option is simply that. It is the cheapest option, not necessarily the best option. Sometimes it's worth investing a little more to get quality over quantity. And I'm sure we can all talk about various examples of things where we have paid the cheapest amount of money and we regret buying the cheapest thing. So before you always buy the cheapest thing, pause and reflect on what is this item and is it worth it? Do I need to spend a little bit more money to get a better quality item so it can last me longer? Keep that in mind when you're doing your shopping. Number six, it is impossible to have fun and save money at the same time. This is a lie. You're not meant to just pay bills and suffer and not enjoy your life. It is very possible with good planning to live a good life, to do things that make you happy and to save money at the same time. It's all about prioritizing and determining where you're going to spend your money and also put your time towards, right? So things like investing your 401k is a great way to save. But when you have that put aside, then you can say, you know what? I'm going to take myself out to lunch once a week, every two weeks, because that's something I enjoy doing. But by doing that, it is not at the detriment of you being able to invest in your 401k or invest for your future self. So it's all about doing things that matter to you, that you enjoy, that are fun to you within reason, without having them to impact your goal. And that means that sometimes you may not be able to do all the big fun things because you have goals, but you may need to compromise and adjust things accordingly so that they don't impact your goals. But you can certainly have fun and save money because you're, like I said earlier, you're not just meant to pay bills and suffer. Number seven, you need tons of money to start investing. That is a lie. You can start investing with 
very small amounts. There are accounts that let you open brokerage accounts with them. There, there are investment establishments that allow you to open brokerage accounts with them with as little as a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars. The key to investing is investing consistently over time. So you want to build your investments into your budget and say, okay, every time I get paid, I'm going to invest X amount of money consistently over time. Most people do not have a lump sum handed to them for them to go out to invest. So investing is certainly not about having a ton of money, but instead doing your research, understanding your risk tolerance, getting clear on your objectives and investing consistently over time. Those small amounts do add up due to the power of compounding appreciation and earning dividends on your investments. Number eight, credit cards are bad for your finances. This is another misconception. Similar to money, credit cards are simply a tool. You tell the credit card what it's going to get spent on. And so the key here is building a budget so you know how you're spending your money, being able to pay that balance at the end of the month, and just being mindful when it comes to how you are spending your money and leveraging credit card as the option that you use to spend that money. It's really important that you change your mindset about what, you know, money being evil, money being this, it is simply a tool and a credit card is a tool that you want to use responsibly and mindfully and build your spending associated to credit into your budget. Number nine, another big myth is renting means you're throwing away your money. And I've heard this so many times where people feel like home ownership is the only way <laughs> or it is so much better than renting. And this is not always true. Yes, it's true that when you're renting, you're not building equity. However, you're not building equity in the form of, you know, having that asset that you're paying the mortgage down on, but rent, renting offers flexibility. For many people, it can be less expensive. You have flexibility in terms of if you have to move a lot or you're traveling a lot and you're living in different cities or different countries for your job. And when you're renting, you don't have the home expense obligation of having to plan out paying for a new roof or paying for landscaping or paying for gardening or paying for home repairs, right? That's all money that a lot of homeowners that say buying a home is better than renting. They don't tell you this when they're telling you that, right? So yes, you buy a home, you have, you know, a piece of, of something that you own, you're paying on a mortgage, you're building an asset, but homes come with their own set of expenses and they can get very costly. So the whole idea of owning a home versus renting, ultimately you need somewhere to lay your head down <laughs> at night and you want to plan out your finances where you're able to save and invest for your future self, right? Whether it's through home ownership, through real estate investments, through small business, through investing in the stock market, but you want to create your plan. And that means whether you choose to rent or you choose to buy a home, you do what works for you and that fits into your budget. Number 10, having a balance on your credit card is good for your credit. So this again is a misconception because people use this as a way to say, well, it's okay that I haven't paid off my credit card debt and I'm paying all this interest because it's good for my credit. I would rather not pay high interest <laughs> and have more money in my bank account than worry about what is good for my credit, if I'm being really honest. And so if you have a balance in your credit card, your goal is to pay it down as quickly as possible. Seeing those frequent payments, seeing a reduced balance, your credit utilization rate, these are all factors that tie into your credit score, not having, not just having a balance on your credit, right? On your credit card. Credit bureaus want to see you use of credit as well as a factor. So that misconception is what 
is a misconception. Focus on paying down your debt and saving that money that you're paying on interest. Because when you pay down your debts, you're paying less interest over time and that's money you can put towards other things. Number 11, you can't retire until you're 65 or older. This is a lie. You choose when you want to retire by determining how aggressive you want to be with your retirement goals and determining and exploring options to accelerate your goals towards early retirement. Early retirement is not for everybody. Some people love their jobs. They love what they do. They don't mind waiting till 65 to retire or just changing you know, career paths. But if early retirement is something that you want to pursue, by all means pursue it. It just means that you're going to have to restructure your plan to be more aggressive with saving an investment. And that's perfectly fine if you want to do that. You do not have to wait until age 65 to say that you want to retire. By the way, if you're enjoying this, please tell your best girlfriends about Clever Girl Finance. Stop by our website, clevergirlfinance.com. We have over 30 plus completely free courses and over 40 plus completely free worksheets to help you on your journey to financial success. Okay, let's get back to these money misconceptions. Number 12, investing is hard. And so based on this statement, a lot of people just don't invest. But the truth is that yes, investing can be hard, but it doesn't have to be. It's all about empowering yourself with knowledge and by making smart choices, right? So investing is how you grow your money. When you look at financially successful people, the way they have gotten there is through investing. Whether they're investing in the stock market, investing in real estate, investing in small business, investing is how you grow your money and get ahead of inflation, for example. So it's really important to just learn how investing works, learn the basics. You do not need to be an investing guru, successfully invest. Pick up Grow Your Money by Clever Girl Finance to learn how investing works and start small and stay consistent over time. A great way for beginners to invest is to invest in things like index funds in the stock market, which help you diversify your investments across hundreds or even thousands of companies. So there are many ways to invest that are easy, but it all it's all about setting the foundation for yourself by understanding first how investing works, doing your research, understanding your risk tolerance, and getting clear on your goals and objectives about why you are investing. Don't resolve yourself to the idea that investing is hard if you haven't even tried I've tried to do it yet. Myth number 13, your 401k can serve as your emergency fund. I disagree with this and I do not think you should be leveraging a 401k as an emergency fund. Your 401k is or your retirement savings is essentially that. It is saving for your future self. And a lot of times when you take money out of a 401k particularly, you are going to be hit with fees and penalties on top of income tax. Many 401ks will offer you a 401k loan, but keep in mind that money you take out as a loan gets repaid with interest, and that is money that is not actively working for you being invested because you've pulled it out. So you've lost, there's an opportunity cost yeah, in this instance. So your 401k as an emergency fund is not a great idea. Is it possible to do? Yes. Is it a good idea? Not so much. Number 14, you cannot save if you have debt. Again, this is another misconception. You may have a mortgage, you may have student loans, you may have a credit card you're paying, but you may also have access to an employer account like a 401k or a 403b where you can contribute to that is offering you a match, which is free money, and you definitely want to take advantage of it. And the reason why I think it's also important to save even if there's no match in your employer accounts or in things like an IRA, is that you are able to take advantage of time to build that wealth through the power of compounding, appreciation, and dividends. You're able to take advantage of time to grow your money. And so you can certainly 
pay off debt and save at the same time using this approach. You contribute to your retirement accounts, your 401k, your 403b, you get the free match if one is offered. If you are not employed or you don't have access to a 401k, 403b, etc., you open your, your own IRA, whether it's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And then once you have that turning along, contributing 5%, 10% of your income, you shift your focus to start paying down your debt. You do not want to wait to pay down your debt before you start to save or invest because sometimes debt payoff can take several years. So let's say it's going to take you five years or 10 years to become completely debt-free. That's 10 years of time that you're not taking advantage of compounding dividend appreciation because you're not investing for your future self. So it's something to consider. Number 15, if you have a credit card, you do not need an emergency fund. Again, this is a lie. A, a credit card is not an emergency fund. Yes, you can use it to cover emergencies, but it's going to cost you because you're going to have to pay interest on that credit. And typically credit cards come with high interest rates. So a credit card is great to use, build your spending into your budget, get your points, get your rewards, get your miles, but do not leverage that as your emergency savings. Build your spending into your credit card, into your budget so that you can pay it off at the end of each month and keep your miles, keep your points, but start to put money aside for emergency savings so that when you need this cash, you have it there. Credit card companies can decide on their own to adjust limits, right? To cancel cards. And let's say you use your credit card as an emergency fund and then you, you want to use it, but your limit has been vastly reduced. What are you gonna do? So like I said, focus on building emergency savings. Start with saving that first thousand dollars and then increase it to three to six months, keeping in mind that when it comes to emergency savings, these are your must-haves, the things you need to pay for to survive, food, housing, transportation, core utilities, and etc. Number 16, you should pay off your mortgage as soon as possible. This is another misconception. Yes, it is a good idea to pay off your mortgage as quickly as possible. However, you want to make sure that it fits into the priority of debt that makes sense. So if you have high credit card debt that's costing you a ton of money and interest, it makes sense to pay off that debt first before you focus on paying down your mortgage. So you want to prioritize your debt in a way that you pay off what's costing you the most. And when you compare a mortgage to a credit card, your credit card is typically more expensive. Number 17, don't worry about retirement until you're older. This is another lie. You want to start considering your retirement plans or at least saving for retirement plans now today. Because at the end of the day, nobody's waiting for you come your retirement day at a beach with a house they've built for you in a bottle of champagne saying, hey girl, listen, while you were living your best life, I was here doing this for you. It is pretty much ourselves and ourselves, right? And we've all heard the, the news about social security. It may not or may not be there for us when we get to that age, especially in this generation. So start creating your own plan. The way you build that nest egg, the way you build that lifestyle you desire for yourself in retirement is by putting money aside now and investing now. Number 18, student loans are the best way to finance your education. Not always true. You definitely want to explore other options before you decide on student loan as the only way. You can explore grants, scholarship, help from family members as a way to finance your education. Even working part-time while you go to school so that you can pay for school can be very, very helpful, right? Even if you have to take on some or partial student loans. So think about other opportunities you have, other areas you can explore to finance your education before you just automatically say, I'm only gonna use student loans. Number 19, you can never pay off debt. And this is something I hear very often that people are being told, we're all meant to be in debt, 
Debt is part of the American dream. It doesn't make sense to pay off your debt. Nobody in your family has paid off debts. This is a lie. Uh, yes, as I mentioned earlier, debt can take time, right, to pay off. It can take several years to pay off debt, but it is possible to pay off debt, especially when you're focusing on that high interest debt that is not tied to any asset, right? A home is different in the sense that you may have a 30-year mortgage and you may choose to accelerate paying off your mortgage early, but that debt is still tied to an asset that you can sell. When it comes to high interest credit card debt, it's whatever you bought is probably long gone, long forgotten, long eaten, long worn. <laughs> and so it makes sense to prioritize paying off that debt. And it can be difficult to pay off debt because you don't have that tangible thing with you anymore to show for the debt, but it is possible to pay off debt. Start adjusting your mindset about you can never pay off debt to you can pay off debt. It is so possible. Number 20, money is a private topic and should not be talked about with anyone. And if that was the case, then I would not be here and Clever Girl Finance would not exist. Money, yes, can be private. You want to be mindful of who you're sharing your financial matters with, especially people who do not support you. But you grow from sharing and learning from other people's experiences and getting support and accountability. So don't put yourself in that mindset that, oh, you know, money is so private. Even if you need help, you're not going to go out and seek help because you can't talk to anybody about it. It's about finding people and resources that you trust and leveraging them to help you navigate through any financial situations you're facing and also educate and empower yourself to do well with your money. And number 21, money can't buy happiness. Again, this is another misconception because people will tell you that money can't buy happiness. People will tell you that money can buy happiness. The bottom line, as I mentioned earlier, is that money is a tool and you can leverage money to achieve the things and buy the things that truly make you happy, that truly bring you joy. And that is an indirect way in which money can actually buy you happiness. It's not the money that makes you happy. It's what you can leverage the money to do. So don't get stuck believing these money myths, these lies about money, these misconceptions about money, it's really important that you frame your thoughts positively around your finances and you understand what is possible for you. And you can do anything that you put your heart towards. It takes patience. It takes time. It takes consistency, but it is possible to do well with your finances. Don't resolve yourself to a myth because somebody told you it is true. No, right? We do not want to believe those money lies. By educating yourself and empowering yourself with knowledge, you can decipher the truth from all the noise and misconceptions out there. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.